0: We're officially halfway through the 2023 NFL season. We talk about some studs and duds for the Ravens so far coming up next on this episode of Locked on Ravens. You are locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostryker of Ravens Wire, here with you on the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in today and making Locked on Ravens your first listen each and every day. We are free and available All podcasting platforms that includes over in video form on YouTube and in audio form wherever you get your podcast. Today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We have you covered. Ravens news, analysis, updates here on this show. You can listen both in audio form or watch in video form. It's the same show either way, so you're not missing out. We're bringing the best daily Ravens coverage, and I really appreciate all the support, whether you're on every day or you're tuning in every single day to the show. If you're somewhere in the middle of listening every day or not listening at all, maybe this is your first time, thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate that as well. And keep it locked on, locked on, Ravens. For, again, this is a fun season for Baltimore, so it's been really fun covering it and we're halfway through well i guess a little more now since there are now 17 games this is that a 16 baltimore has played nine out of 17 games so they officially have passed that halfway point and i wanted to just do a, a general episode today on some studs and duds for the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball we'll we'll throw special teams in there too but in the first part of the show we'll do offensively second part defensively then we'll get into a bit of a Ravens Seahawks wrap-up in the final part of the show so plan to dive into today let's just jump in let's start with the offensive side of the ball for this Ravens team one that I think when you talk about the offense, it's been up and down, inconsistent. I know SSC is a big word we've used here on this show many a times when it comes to the offense. But I think you have to say what it is. And Lamar Jackson has been an absolute stud this season. Tops in the league in completion percentage. He has completed 71.5% of his passes. He has been so efficient this year. Nine touchdowns compared to three interceptions. And the thing about Lamar is even though he's thrown, you know, the passing yards aren't going to wow you. It's 1,954, but that doesn't tell the whole story of how he's looked locked in this season. The decision-making, I think, has been pretty on point for the most part. There are a few things you can point to and, you know, specific plays if you want or areas. But I do think that the a couple of things Lamar has to, I don't know, improve on the fumbles have been an issue for sure he has 10 of them this season the deep ball accuracy also has been a little bit iffy this year a little spotty but you can't deny that Lamar Jackson is in the MVP conversation and rightfully so he has masked a lot of the early mistakes that Todd Munkin has made because of his ability he looks dialed in locked in he's taking check downs he's he's doing everything the accuracy is has been great He has been dotting up receivers. So Lamar, to me, is absolutely a stud. And the life force of this team, 100%, he seems to be rejuvenated in this Todd Munkin offense. And we knew that Lamar had talent as a pastor. Everybody knew that. I knew it. Everybody, hopefully, had some idea, even if they weren't believers. But now that he is kind of freed from that Greg Roman offense, I kind of put it this way. The Greg Roman offense did wonders for Lamar, but it had a cap. And he wasn't going to evolve the way that he needed to in order to win a championship. Hopefully he can do that at whether it's this year or in the future here, but Greg Roman's offense had the cap. It helped him out a lot, but it had a cap on it. Todd Munkin raises that ceiling for Lamar. And I think it's really helped him with the empowerment that Todd Munkin's given him John Harbaugh as well. So Lamar has been incredible for the Ravens this year and he absolutely deserves his flowers. I think, you know, if you want to talk about a stud just for one game, Keaton Mitchell definitely was that for his week nine performance against Seattle. Now, he's only played in three games this year. Didn't really have a carry. In fact, did not have a carry until the Seattle game. I'm not going to call really anybody a stud. I mean, look, Gus Edwards has been awesome. Seven touchdowns, a lot of them in the last couple of games. He is averaging his lowest yards per carry average of his career at 4.3. The inefficiency has been lacking at times, but Gus has looked really, really good these past couple of weeks. Justice Hill, honestly, lo- has looked really good for the Ravens this year for the most part. Now, I expect him and keep Mitchell to split snaps, but I don't know. I don't have any studs or duds for the Ravens running back-wise. I guess you could call Gus Edwards a stud over the past couple of weeks, but efficiency-wise, the stats do say he, it has been down, but Edwards is still super valuable to them. Well, Patrick Ricard, first of all, I want to talk about him. He has been a stud, and there were a lot of questions. We talk about it here on this show. Where is Patrick Ricard going to fit into this Ravens offense? How is he going to be able to have a role outside of Greg Roman's system? He's done such a good job this year in his role. It hasn't decreased the way that I thought it would, and credit to him for playing the way he has. And it was it was never a question of ability with Patrick Ricard. He's super talented but he has found a role in that offense. Todd Munkin is utilizing him and he's done really, really well. Now wide receiver wise. I think, I think everybody knows where I'm going with this one. Zay Flowers has been the stud of that room is a rookie for Baltimore through nine games. He's put up stats that are probably going to break some records this year. Rookie wise for Baltimore. He has caught, I mean, it is incredible to kind of say these numbers from a rookie wide receiver perspective, 45 catches, 472 yards. Now, only the one touchdown actually has not scored a touchdown in America yet. He scored abroad against Tennessee. So still looking for that first American touchdown. But he has been everything and more so far for Baltimore. The route running has been exquisite. I'll use the word exquisite because it has been. It's been awesome. He's getting open. He's finding space. There have been a couple of rookie mistakes. You know, we, we can identify that. But that's okay. That's part of the growing process if you were listening to me on Locked On Ravens for a while, if you're an everyday or if you listen to me this season, maybe you caught me with my bold prediction episode before the season. Maybe you've heard me reference it. I thought Zay was going to be the number one receiver by the time the season ended. Well, he was the number one receiver by the time week one ended. And I think that leads to the next part of this where, based off of expectations, and while they have looked better, so far Odo Beckham Jr. and Rashad Bateman have been duds. And again, they've looked great over the past couple of weeks, but... I think the expectations for both those guys compared to where they are now, they have not lived up to those. And this is just first half stuff. Again, if they continue to ascend and look the way that they have, you probably take them out of that category because you don't need those guys to be 1000 yard wide receivers and make play after play after play after play, but they were injured for a time. Wasn't a lot of production and in terms of production for both of those guys, I mean, for Rashad Bateman, 17 receptions for 180 yards, And no touchdowns. Odell scores his first touchdown in week nine. He has 19 catches for 218 yards in that score. So through nine games, again, not not a lot to show for those two right now. But again, it's not all about the stats. As I've talked about with Lamar and his efficiency, Rashad Bateman has looked really good. He's, He's popped on tape the past couple of weeks. Odell, they've moved him into the slot a little bit more. And he is cooking from the slot. So I'm hopeful that those two... We'll be able to make some noise as the season goes on. Nelson Aguilar I'd probably put as a mini stud, all things considered. He's made some really nice plays for them. Tight end-wise, what else can you say about Mark Andrews? I mean, he's, he's been an absolute stud for them. Not, not really a ton, I, I have to say about that one. I mean, Andrews is really good. Him and Lamar have that special connection. He's been incredible. I'd say a dud might be Isaiah Likely. And maybe even Charlie Kohler, if you want to put them in that conversation. I think I was just expecting a little more from both those guys. Likely really hasn't gotten a lot of run. Eight catches for 84 yards. Some of that coming in garbage time against the Seahawks in week nine. Kohler really, you know, hasn't had anything. He's had one target this season. But Baltimore hasn't really had to utilize these guys. And honestly, their system does not rely on the three tight ends that Greg Romans did. So it's not, like, surprising. But I would like to – and again – part of this whole studs and duds thing is sometimes it's, you know, whether they're being utilized or the production. So sometimes, yeah, you know, it has to do with the player more than the utilization. Sometimes it's the utilization more than the player. I just don't think likely is being utilized a lot and it hasn't translated obviously. So that's why I have that the way it is now offensive line wise. This one is really interesting to me. Baltimore's offensive line. I think each player has had their struggles. Kevin Zeitler, took a little bit of time to adjust early in the season. He's looked great. He's, he's been a stud for them. Tyler Linderbaum, he's been a stud. He has been incredible in the middle for them. John Simpson, I'm going to give John Simpson a mini stud. He's had his struggles. That was you know early in the season, had his struggles. But he has looked really good. He's been super physical, driving guys off of the line. He plays the way the Ravens want to play. They, they're a physical team this year. John Simpson is physical. Those three guys, I, I'd give a lot of credit to. Patrick McCary, too, has been awesome in fill in duty. Morgan Moses, he's been solid. I I'm, I wouldn't put him in a, I, his early season was awesome. And I probably put him in the mini stud category, but Ronnie Stanley, let's talk about Ronnie Stanley, Ronnie Stanley. I would probably put in the mini dud to dud category. And the reason I put him there is because of the contract and some of the plays we've seen. Stanley's had some trouble dropping anchor this year. He struggles a little bit with that now. Now, a lot of it is probably attributed to the injury he suffered a couple years ago against the Steelers. And I don't think that anybody fully expected him to, you know, come off of that injury and just every poof, everything back to normal. Right. There was always the risk. There was always the possibility that he just wasn't going to be the same player. And I'm not trying to blame anything for it. I'm not even saying Stanley's been like terrible this year. He hasn't been terrible. He's had really good moments. And I think outside of a couple of really, really bad plays, he's been fine. But when you talk about contract compared to production, Ronnie Stanley's getting paid a whole heck of a lot of money. And so that's why I put him in that category. He got beat really badly by Boy Mafe, got trucked by Leonard Williams last week. Again, I'm not saying Stanley's a bad player. In fact, I still think he is good. But again, it's production cost. What is what are, what's the production you're getting based off of the cost of the contract sometimes? And for Stanley, I'd say some moments have been pretty disappointing. He's it's result, his players resulted in multiple Lamar Jackson strip sacks, and so to me, I'd probably put him in that category. But again, good player, but hasn't been the Ronnie Stanley we're used to. I don't think come up though in the second part of the show. We'll flip over to the defensive side of the ball, talk about defensive studs and duds from the Baltimore Ravens' first half of 2023. So be sure to stay tuned, plan to talk about it on the show. First, this episode is brought to you by Game Time. And I've had plenty of frustrating ticketing experiences throughout the course of my life. Sometimes I couldn't even see if the seats were good. I wasn't really sure about it. Sometimes I couldn't find last-minute tickets. Other times there are just no good deals at all but you shouldn't have to worry when you're buying those tickets to your next big event because Game Time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. They have killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. And the Game Time app is awesome. And in the Baltimore area, obviously, you have a couple of big home games. The Ravens play in the Seahawks in Week 9, but the Browns are coming to town in Week 10. The Bengals for a primetime Thursday night showdown in week 11, you can go to game time and check out all the deals there. And again, game time on the app has those last minute tickets, they have flash deals and zone deals. Plus, they have views from all the seats in the venue and the lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, and more. Game time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. And The all in prices that they have show your total up front, so you know you're getting a great deal without any hidden fees, which can be an issue. Plus, they're obsessed with finding. Ways to help you save money on tickets. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event and even one hour after it starts. It's the place to find last-minute seats. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with a game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code locked on NFL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply again, create an account, redeem code on spelled L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-F-L, nfl for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're back here It's our second segment of Lockdown Ravens. Kevin Allstriker still talking with you here. On this midweek Wednesday edition episode, we talked about studs and duds for the Ravens on the offensive side of the ball so far through the first half of 2023. Let's move over to defense. And in this one, there are going to be plenty of studs and honestly, not a lot of duds. Let's start on the defensive line. We'll just go through this. I mean, look, where else do we start but Justin Matabike? He has been, I think, the breakout stud of this Ravens defense. There are a couple ways that could go, but I'll give it to Justin Matabike. He's been the breakout stud of this Ravens defense. I mean, the stats speak for themselves, really. Matabike has been a force. 30 total tackles, seven and a half sacks. I put out a stat about it. The Ravens have not had a double-digit sack guy since Terrell Suggs. I believe that was back in 2017. is on pace for around 13 and a half, 14 sacks this year. If he continues, he's going to have the most sacks by a Ravens interior defensive lineman since Trevor Price Back in 2006, you know, if, if you were following the team back then, you know about Trevor Price. He was a beast, and Justin BK could be in that territory. So he's had an incredible year. Baltimore's going to have to pony up a lot of money to keep him if they want to. So, and obviously, I hope they do. They should want to. But he has been incredible. It's very rare, you know. You, you talk about pass rush a lot. We were talking about Baltimore's pass rush for the past couple of seasons. Honestly, dating back for a while now. About how the Ravens struggled to generate pressure with just rushing four. But Matt Abike is beating guys off of the line, uses his, his combination of speed technique, power technique, and gets to the quarterback really, really quickly. Baltimore now has success with rushing four. And it's not just Matabike, other people are contributing to that. But Matabique has been a huge part of what they're doing. And it allows them to be a lot more free-flowing within their defense. And Matabique in, in the middle. He, he works out with Aaron Donald. He trains with Aaron Donald. Spencer Schultz compared him to Aaron Donald uh, a couple of years ago. Maybe it was last year. But Manny BK has been incredible and he absolutely deserves his flowers. I think other guys that have been pretty impressive with and Clowney has been awesome coming over right before the start of the season. Three and a half sacks for him. Probably should be more so around six or seven because he's missed out on a lot of opportunities to bring the quarterback down. But Clowney's been awesome in run defense, very physical. He he's he he hits people hard. He is a jarring force in run defense. But the pass rush, although it, I guess it's a bit inconsistent with him, the tale over the course of his career has been the stats don't tell the whole story. He is usually a, a high pressure guy, and he has been able to disrupt a lot of things. And also, Kyle Van Noy also has been very disruptive. Five sacks in six games for Kyle Van Noy. It was on his couch to start the season. Eric Acosta, John Harbaugh, the Ravens bring him in. And he's been awesome. Otherwise, the other guys on the defensive front, going back to the interior, Michael Pierce has been awesome this year. He's been a force. You got to double team him. He's just too large of a man not to in in the best way possible. And one thing that I I said about this Ravens defense is their ability up front to get their hands on the ball, to bat balls down Michael Pierce, Justin Menebique, Calvin. noy has been awesome at that. Rafe Owe clowny all these guys they get their hands on the ball and it's very underrated something that I think a lot of teams take for granted is oh well you know just put your hand up see if you can get the ball Baltimore makes a very a very huge effort to go out there and and bat the ball down it's an incompletion it it forces the offense into tough situations so Baltimore has been awesome this year in terms of doing that too I guess if you're looking at stats Project Washington hasn't done it I'm not putting them in done category or anything But Brochick Washington hasn't, you know, had, I think, splash plays this year. And he pops on tape. So it's not a stats thing where it's just the stats. But I think for Washington, after signing the extension, I don't know. I was just expecting a little bit more, I guess. Tavis Robinson, I want to put in the mini stud category. He's had to play a lot of snaps. I didn't think he was ready to play as many snaps as he's played. He's been awesome for them. 13 tackles and... Put in a lot of high leverage situations, especially with all the injuries Baltimore went through early on in the season at that position, especially with, you know, Tyus Bowser not being back at David Ajabo, Adafi O.A. had to miss some time, so that's been great for him. Linebacker-wise, in terms of inside guys, Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen, studs, 100%. Roquan Smith being Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen picking up right where he left off last year. Both those guys have been awesome. Roquan Smith is only 26 years old, Patrick Queen only 24 if the Ravens do decide to keep Patrick Queen around long-term, it's going to be awesome to have those two roam in the middle for Baltimore for years to come. Corner-wise, Brandon Stevens deserves a huge shout-out here. Brandon Stevens has been all over the place in his career, comes into the league as a corner at SMU after making the transition from running back to corner in college. The Ravens move him to safety in his first year. Then they move him back to corner in a second year. This past offseason in the start they're going to move him back to safety. Baltimore was going through so many injuries with Marlon Humphrey and a lot of other guys. They had to move him back to corner. And I don't I don't think he's leaving corner. I don't think he's leaving corner. He's been that good for them. Shut down opposite of Marlon Humphrey. And for a time, the Ravens number one corner. He is a big reason why the Ravens have been very consistent in the past defense area. Mini stud award, Ronald Darby here. I thought that early in the season, he provided a lot of good snaps. Hasn't really played as much. And we haven't really seen a lot of him as the season has gone on, but he's been good. Uh, a dud is Rocky i seen. I just don't know what happened with him, honestly. I think not a lot of people do. He was expected to play a big role, essentially be Baltimore's number two corner. And despite being healthy, he was injured during the you know training camp portion and everything, but hasn't really played for them a lot. And I don't really know why. I don't really understand why, but Baltimore hasn't really needed him this year, but it has been a kind of a dud thing because I just, I was expecting more. Arthur Millette also deserves to be a stud in this as well. He's been awesome for Baltimore. I had doubts, and I'm very glad he proved me wrong. He's been someone who has kind of played with a chip on his shoulder all year. And the Ravens, when they have a solid operating slot corner, their defense, that their efficiency, their potential, their ceiling, it all it all skyrockets. So shout out to him. Let's go to safety. Stud, I mean, Gino Stone. Geno stone has been incredible. Six interceptions leads the entire NFL. All these Ravens in contract years was balling out. Geno stone, no exception to that. He's been rangy. He's made quarterback second guess throwing to him. They still do it anyway. And guess what? He punishes them every single time. So stone's been awesome. Kyle Hamilton, also a stud as well. Those two have really formed a tandem with Marcus Williams being out. That's been a bit disappointing with the injury luck. Marcus Williams has had since coming to Baltimore but Geno Stone has stepped in and played really, really well. Special teams-wise, I want to give a shout-out quickly. Justin Tucker is Justin Tucker. He doesn't need anything right here. He's a stud. But Jordan Stout has been awesome. He's been awesome, awesome, awesome for the Ravens this year. Booming punts, ball placement inside the 20, inside the 10. It's night and day from his rookie season to his second season. Obviously, the expectations going from a Sam Cook to a Jordan Stout. It's, it's tough because it's a rookie punter. And you need time. And in Jordan Stout's rookie year, I think he proved that he just needed some time. But this being his second season now, he has looked so good. And he looks to be Baltimore's punter for the very, very, very far future. So Baltimore 7-2. and two, And you talk about the coaching staff. Mike McDonald's been an absolute stud for them. I think John Harbaugh and Todd Munkin have both had their stud and dud moments this season. But Mike McDonald has been consistent as Ever. He's been incredible. We'll probably get some head coaching looks this offseason. He'll have decisions to make, probably. We'll see what happens, but I want to give a shout out quickly to Mike McDonald, too. Coming up, though, in the final part of the show, we'll wrap up the Ravens and Seahawks game from week nine, taking away some more things from that game. So be sure to stay tuned, planning to get to on the show. First, this episode is brought to you by DoorDash. And for me, when I'm watching games, sometimes I want to go and get some food. So I go to the fridge, I go to get a snack, and there's nothing in there so when the game goes to a timeout or it's halftime there's a stoppage that's when you know it's time to order with doordash that's whenever the game clock stops honestly that's the time you can do it and there are a bunch of options for you depending on what food you like where you want to go for example maybe you want the classic football package so that's pizza wings sodas burgers being from baltimore big old bay wings guy so If you want to do that, you can order the game package on DoorDash or if you maybe want the snack package, you want the chips, the dips, the nachos. You want to make your own nachos. DoorDash has that all for you. Plus, in Baltimore, there are a lot of restaurants that you can order from with DoorDash. Maybe you're a sushi person, you want to get some sushi hana or underground pizza. If you're a pizza person, DoorDash has so many options. They have all your favorite restaurants and stores from retail to grocery. They're all in the app. So you can shop everything you need to get game day ready. So get 50% off up of to $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code Lock23. Subject to change terms apply. Plus, you can even get prepared before game day. You can stock up on your favorite appetizers and order all your tailgate gear on DoorDash and get ready to watch your team win. Again, 50% off of the $10 value. When you spend $15 or more on your first order when you down the DoorDash app under the code lock twenty-three. Subject to change, terms apply. Again, don't forget to use code LOCK23 for 50% off, up to $10 value on your first order, weighing down at the DoorDash Shop and spend $15 or more. Subject to change, terms apply. We're back round and not locked on Ravens. Kevin Ostreicher's still talking football with you here. Ravens football, of course. Thank you so much, as always, for the support here. I really appreciate it. We're coming up on 1 million views on YouTube, which is such a cool milestone. We hit 5,000 subscribers a couple weeks ago, so that's another big milestone here. We're climbing here on Locked On Ravens, and I appreciate you taking the time out, supporting me, listening to me, and hearing my Ravens thoughts. You can subscribe on YouTube in audio form as well, whether you're an audio listener or video watcher. All the same, I appreciate everybody for tuning in. But let's get into just a wrap-up of Week 9, Ravens and Seahawks. Just some final thoughts, some final takeaways from that game. And look, it's a fun game to talk about. You know, I could talk about it forever. It was that fun of a game. Just some general stats. We've talked about those before But some other things I noticed here is the first downs I mentioned, 29 total for Baltimore, six for Seattle. Baltimore had 16 rushing first downs. Seattle had one, one rushing first down. I mentioned also Baltimore ran 28 more total plays than Seattle did. And they held the ball for nearly 20 minutes more. In fact, over 20 minutes more than Seattle. This was a game Baltimore controlled, even though it was a bit of a different way they controlled it from the Lions game, where that game was essentially over in week seven by the six-minute mark in the second quarter. Lions had to go for it. It was over by then on fourth down. This game, the Ravens and Seahawks were tied at zero. In the first quarter, and then obviously, Baltimore goes on the 17 to three run in the second, 13 to 0 run in the third. So, 30 to three by the end of the third quarter, you know, you're, you're, you're sitting pretty there. That's fine. But Baltimore ends up winning a lot of things here in terms of with Seattle, they just dominated it every which way they dominated it, especially up front. As we talked to you know, Corbin Smith that blocked on Seahawks throughout the week and kind of looked at the Seattle team. Yeah, they came into the game as a top 10 rushing defense and a top 10 passing defense, but there were concerns about if Seattle was going to be able to defend the Ravens run game. That that was kind of the message that I was getting from the Seattle fan base, people who covered the team, even adding Leonard Williams did nothing. And moving forward, what you can take away from this game is one, Keaton Mitchell is going to get a lot of carries over the course of the next couple of weeks here, a couple of months here as the season goes on. Now, I still think Gus is going to be the number one guy, but you can't watch what Keaton Mitchell did on Sunday and, and not give him the ball more. And plus, some of the stuff we saw in the preseason with him was he would try to balance everything outside. We we know he's fast, right? Four, three, seven speed. Lamar said that, you know, he'll he'll beat him in a race. It was a funny clip on Ravens Wired from uh, him and Eric DeCosta interacting. But He tried to bounce, Keaton Mitchell tried to bounce a lot of his runs outside because he knew he was fast and he was just trying to outrun guys. That doesn't work a lot in the NFL. It does work sometimes, but you can't rely fully on your speed at the NFL game. It works to an extent, but you can't do it the entire way. So what I was impressed with with Keaton Mitchell was how he was hitting the hole hard, going between the tackles, and I believe the stat was 132 of his 138 yards were after contact. Not something you would expect from a guy of Keaton Mitchell's stature, but he's a hard-nosed runner, rugged football player, and isn't just a, oh, he's going to go down at the first contact because he's small. He's a a guy that competes, and he's someone that you got to work to bring down. So I was really impressed with Keaton Mitchell overall. I'm sure the Ravens were as well. I also think that, again, Rashad Bateman popped to me on on the tape. Didn't really do a lot in terms of stats, three for 28 on five targets. But – He beat his man on a couple of deep shots and Lamar just couldn't find him, couldn't hit him. His day probably looks a lot better if Lamar is able to hit on those throws. So that to me, Odell's looked better. Him moving to the slot, I think has helped him a lot as well. Mark Andrews in this offense is always going to be the top target guy. Probably him. Zay Flowers only got one target in this game. It was actually, you would expect maybe Odell to get the one and Zay to get the seven targets, which Odell got. Based off how the season has gone, but Odell looked good, and that Seattle defense has players on it. And plus, Baltimore's defense just dominated from end to end, just all the way around. Forcing timely turnovers, sacks as well. They are doing everything right at this point for the most part. Not, not it'd be perfect if they were doing everything right, but they have this aura about them. They are locked in. And it just seems like the whole Baltimore team is locked in, honestly. This was just another game, just much like the Detroit game. It was another game. I'll, I'll never forget. If the Ravens end up going on to win the Super Bowl, I will never forget. I will point to this moment. You can remember this. I'll point to this moment if they do. Week seven after that Lions game, everybody was mad. Like the Ravens were mad at how they played in a blowout, 38-6, to six? in a blowout. Baltimore, you know, Patrick Queen, John Harbaugh, Lamar Jackson, they all said, you know, we can do so many things better. And everyone was like, "What do you, you just won thirty eight to six? What do you mean?" But that's the mindset a Super Bowl winning team, a championship contender, has to have. And in this game against Seattle, there are still things that you know the Ravens can improve on: the fumbles, the deep balls, the wide receiver production, whatever you want to say. They still have more. They can still improve more, which is crazy to think about, but. Baltimore in a good spot. They are 7 and 2 right now, heading into a huge Week 10 matchup with the Cleveland Browns. That's all I have to you here today on Lockdown Ravens. So, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe again. Video form, audio form, also on subtext. Those will be in the description below for the Lockdown Ravens Insider Group for exclusive one on one text conversations and more. Coming up tomorrow, I'll be talking more Ravens football. So, be sure to stay tuned for that. I'll see you right back here tomorrow on Lockdown Ravens.